Hello and welcome to the In Publishing Podcast. My name is James Evely and I'm the editor of In Publishing. My guest this time is Emily Ferguson, e-commerce director at Future PLC, where she is responsible for Marie Claire UK and Marie Claire USA. Previously, Emily was e-commerce business development manager at The Telegraph and prior to that, launched and ran her own online affiliate marketing fashion website. In our chat, Emily spoke about the importance of adopting a test and learn culture. I think sort of a test and learn mentality is really, really important. And, and I think that's where the biggest failures come when, when a lot of money gets pu- pumped into something that hasn't necessarily been proven yet. Why successful e-commerce relies on lots of different things working well together. No one thing I think is is more important than the other. Because if you've got great SEO, but you've got a terrible page experience, then it's not really going to work anyway. Or if you've got a great page and you haven't done your SEO, then no one's going to see your great page, you know. So it, it all kind of has to work together. And she has some good advice for publishers looking to take their first steps into e-commerce. You know, start small, start slow, start building up relationships, start adding links to your website, start creating buying guides. Um, you know, that's kind of, I guess, the foundation of where you would start. Before we hear more from Emily, a quick word about our valued sponsors. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Air Business, a market leader in distribution and subscription management services for the publishing industry. Its end-to-end service includes subscriber acquisition and marketing strategy, worldwide distribution, digital mail and e-commerce fulfillment, and warehouse and freight logistics. For more information, visit airbusiness.com. Emily Ferguson, welcome to the In Publishing Podcast. Hi, thank you very much for having me. And I think congratulations might be in order, am I right? You've just recently launched in the US? Yes, we've re- recently launched the Marie Claire Edit um, exclusively with Nordstrom um, as our exclusive la- launch partner in the US. Yes, it's been a very exciting time. And did it all go well? All, all go yes, according to plan? Yes, it's all gone really, really well. And um, yeah, we're just looking at the next sort of scale-out plans. Fantastic. And, and that must have taken up a lot of your time over the last few months, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a it's been on the roadmap for a while actually, and it, it was just so lucky and um, you know you know such a brilliant partnership that we were able to to partner with Nordstrom. You know the brands are very aligned, um, so yeah, we got very lucky um, to sort of have such a great um, you know technical infrastructure as well internally at Future uh, and being able to you know utilize that in the creation of the new Marie Claire edit in America. Excellent. Well, we'll come back to um, talk about your US launch, you know, a bit later on, but maybe we can start off with a quick overview of your role and responsibilities at Marie Claire. Yes, no problem. So I am the e-commerce director at Marie Claire UK and Marie Claire US. Um, So I have a a wonderful team of ladies around me um, who are fabulous. um, And I oversee um, all of our uh, brand pillars. So that's everything from the edit in the UK and the US. Um, And um, I also oversee uh, the voucher sites, uh, our beauty sampling businesses um, and our cashback site, which is our VIP, Marie Claire VIP. Um, And so that really encompasses us looking sort of like, you know, everything from technical to 
development to brand building to marketing um, to you know sales customer acquisition um, and also developing new revenue lines um, over and above um, the brands that I just discussed. Uh, and you mentioned your team there of ladies. I mean, how does that split up? Uh, you know, what do they do? How do the roles and skill sets vary? So, I mean, they 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 kind of sit across lots of different things. I guess they're all um, generalists in a way. They they get involved with everything really. Um, but there's people who you know who carry out sales roles predominantly. People who carry out sort of you know marketing campaign fulfillment um, all the way through to uh, you know looking at kind of you know new revenue lines through different content opportunities as well and and how how many how how big's the team so the team is i've got uh four wonderful women that work with me excellent excellent and the revenue trends at marie claire as a whole if you take the brand as a whole obviously you're you're responsible for one part of that but how are the revenue trends in general and what are they um, so in terms of, you know, looking at that kind of question, um, we would be, I'd be able to sort of look, look at top line. So overall, the future business has uh, grown revenue 70%. Um, so Marie Claire has been in line with that, with that overall growth that future has seen. And in terms of e-commerce, um, that's obviously your main responsibility. What would you say are the, the pillars of e-commerce success? So I would say, um, how you use your data, data acquisition, engagement, brand alignment, uh, especially when you're looking at doing e-commerce for a publisher that's already got an existing brand and brand history, uh, the customer journey and really the kind of the bare bones, you know, the, the tech that you use will either make or break what you're doing. It's a difference between making, you know, $5 but or, you know, Fifty dollars. It's um, and I've seen it. You know, just over my period in my career, um, the difference on how good technology can really optimize and change. Uh, you know, how much revenue and what the ROI is. Uh, and presumably, because you're you're now part of Future, but you were with TI Media. Did when when that acquisition took place, did you have to completely change your tech stack? Um, no, I mean, it was brilliant, actually, the acquisition with Future, because um, I got um, or had the opportunity to work with um, Ross Curtis and Pavel Smock, who um, who created the Hawk platform. Um, and Hawk is our kind of internal e-commerce um, engine uh, is probably the best word to say it, to describe it. Um, and that's, you know, extremely successful brilliant piece of technology so it was a real privilege to be able to um to kind of you know have access to that and and to be able to work with the team to to kind of you know look at how we um add you know fashion products to to the hawk um technology um to kind of create like we said earlier the the marie claire edit using that technology and for publishers who you know, aren't part of a you know a large group like Future or TI Media previously, what what are their roots tech, on the tech side? I mean, you know, it, they can you know, there's other things that you can focus on, you know, and there's other um, you know third parties that I'm sure they could work with, but you know, just getting the on-page optimization right um, within content is probably a really good place to start. And for publishers like yourself, or, or, or I should, should say ones be going down the e-commerce route for the first time, what, what are the common pitfalls to avoid? I think the biggest pitfall 
a publisher can make is not having an agile approach to developing new revenue lines. You know, um, I think sort of a test and learn mentality is really, really important. And, and I think that's where the biggest failures come when, when a lot of money gets pu- pumped into something that hasn't necessarily been proven yet. Okay. And so looking back over over your time in e-commerce, what, what, what would you say have been the key learnings along the way? I mean, you, uh, am I right in saying you've worked in e-commerce for about 10 years or is that right? Uh, yeah, a little bit longer than 10 years, okay. but yeah. Uh, and, look, and looking back over those 10 years, what, what would you say have been the key learnings that you've taken on board? Oh, probably the biggest learning that I've taken on board um, is probably from my own business um, where I own the copyright of my co- of the code that I wrote, but um, the web design company that I was using went bust. And so therefore I no longer owned the copyright of the code. It, it got transferred to someone else rather than to me because of the way um, they'd hired someone internally. So I think, you know, I guess that's the kind of thing you could only learn through experience. So, so it's basically have, having ownership of the ownership the key, of what you're levers. doing, hundred percent. Yeah. And how big do you think e-commerce can get for Marie Claire? It's obviously a sizable part already, but what what's the ambition? I mean, gosh, how you know how long's a piece of string? You know, there's so <laughs> much that we can do. Um, you know, we're about to launch um, VIP on mobile, um, and we've got a massive marketing campaign in the works for that. You know, Beauty Drawer is now at uh, 96,000 users. We've just launched Edit in the States with uh, Nordstrom. But within the next two months after the exclusivity period is over, we'll be launching with another 10 of the most well-known retailers in the States. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the opportunity is huge. And I think probably, you know, for me, the most important thing is just making sure I'm focused on, you know, where, where the best ROI is going to, to provide me. Um, and, um, and yeah, and really kind of honing that and, and making, making all of the line, business lines that we do the best that we can poss- they can possibly be. So uh, you might have already answered it in a way, but the key, you know, so you're here now and you want to get, you know, grow to a certain percentage or as you say, the market is huge. What would be the key drivers of achieving that? How, how do you plan to go about that? Um, well, through, I mean, through every sort of touch point for purchase, um, you know, from everything from, you know, organic growth to um paid for social opportunities through to marketing opportunities, branded partnerships, you know, there, there's multitude of and layers of, of the way that we're kind of like planning on growing. Uh, and when people come to the Marie Claire site, it's, uh, is it a destination shopping channel, if you like, or do they come look at some content and then, you know, pick up links, or, you know, for particular product lines? No, I think it's it's a different journey to that. I think, you know, the, the Marie Claire audience that, that read the magazine are obviously super engaged. Um, you know, they all know the core pillars of the brand. It's very evident, you know, with the campaigns that are run, uh, you know, Sally Holmes and Andrea Thompson, um, you know, both the editors in chiefs do amazing, incredible jobs. Um, at, at doing that. And I think that the Marie Claire edit will just provide, you know, it, it, an immersive shopping experience to enable 
um, users, if they want to shop, you know, multitude of different stores in one place, they have the ability to do that. And also it allows us to to expand our digital reach. Um, the beauty drawer allows us to, you know, add additional value to our customers through sampling and obviously to the brands. So, you know, there's there's kind of lots of different touch points um, that we, we look at for through the journey. And if you look at e- the e-commerce performance of yourselves and other publishers who are successful in this area, wh- where do you th- where is the room for refinement? I mean, obviously you're improving across the, the board, but wh- where where is a particular focus on? Um, like I said, the focus is on just being the best that we could be at what we've done already. I think that is that for me is uh, the most important thing. And in terms of competition, um, who who are your main competitors? Is it other publishers or is it retailers or, or who? I wouldn't say it's retailers. I think this because there's so many different layers to um, Marie Claire that you know there's different types of of um, competitors. You know, there's the likes of List for the edit um, is probably the biggest competitor we have. Um, you know, and then other publishers I guess as well um but in terms of you know there's other kind of I guess out of the Marie Claire audience there's you know brands that do social commerce and you know there's there's lots of different types of 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 competitors but uh, we tend not to focus too much on our competitors you know our main focus in the business is to you know we all put our heads down and really focus on just being the best that we can be in, in what we're doing and in terms of e- e-commerce, what what challenges do you see on the horizon for for Marie Claire? Um, I think personally, I mean, I I could only really speak personally from that, from my own perspective, which would be that you know just to make sure that I'm you know with so many things going on, to make sure that although it's great to be in the detail, it's also you know to take take time to take that step back, and I think that's probably going to be the biggest challenge for me. Let's talk a bit more about the the US operation now. So, can you tell us, you know, how long has that been in the pipeline? And um, so, we've been talking about it um, since uh, sort of May last year, um, and um, yeah, it, it sort of actually went soft live in December this year. So it actually had a few. It had a um, we had a, we had a lot of testing that we did on site. Um, before the actual live date in March. Um, so, yeah, we had a, sort of another two months of a soft launch. Um, and what were your we key learnings of... from the soft launch? Because that's always a, a very revealing process, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I think probably like uh, touch points on the page and um, the user journey as well. So there's there's more work I'd like to um, to do. And I think that's probably a good approach or a good attitude to have anyway, is you should always be trying to, you know, optimize and do something better and, you know, A-B test everything that you can and, you know, get customer feedback. And, you know, those things are all really important, I think, for any business. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of it's been in the pipeline for 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 a while. Um, like I said, we we. Um, we were very lucky and, you know, very honoured to to have launched with Nordstrom as our exclusive launch partner. 
So that's a very exciting period of time for us. So what's the thinking behind having an exclusive partner? Because obviously that's not how you do it in the UK, is it? No, it wasn't how we did it in the UK. But I think the, the opportunity for both brands to come together came together at the right time and it all just worked and um and like I said it was um it's really was a really you know it was a really great idea in terms of you know they're exclusive for two months and then we scale it out to two other brands as well so yeah and and we've done a lot of great fun fun things with Nordstrom in terms of like marketing and um you know marketing the edit through social and through our um you know dedicated newsletters um articles so yeah it's been a it's been a really exciting period of time um and obviously we you know we but we've gone to press as well in america which was great so yeah it's been um it's been very exciting and can you tell us a bit more about the social dimension that's i presume an important part of of how you market yourself yeah so in in terms of social we've we've kind of done some customized um social co-branded social um posts as well just to uh, market it and then you know we have you know ideas and and kind of like plans to to kind of of our ongoing marketing and and then you know the SEO side of things will obviously play a really big um part in that and you know we've been the growth in the US has been phenomenal even in the short um you know two three weeks that we've been officially live um we've seen um up to 16,000 keywords ranking in the US wow for uh, for for shopping terms so that's that's very exciting for me um to be able to see that and you know really look at how we um you know you know utilize that and um to our advantage in terms of conversions would you say seo is is the most important skill set in terms of you know boosting your e-commerce yeah well yes and no I mean I I think there's lots of touch points like data acquisition user engagement is really important on-site optimization SEO you know there there are lots of different sort of no one thing I think is is more important than the other because if you've got great SEO but you've got a terrible page experience then it's not really going to work anyway. Or if you've got a great page and you haven't done your SEO, then no one's going to see your great page, you know. So it, it all kind of has to work together. Uh, and back to the U, the US launch, um, were there particular challenges um, in terms of the way the U, Americans do business or legal, cultural and the like? They were amazing. The girls, you know, the girls in America um, and and the team over there in America have just been incredible um, and, incred- you know, they're all incredible women to work with. Um, and it's just been such an honour and a privilege to to work with them. And But, but any particular, so it was all as, as easy as launching in the UK? Was... Yeah, I think it was easier. Like I said, right. I think having futures technology um, and and having the um, you know the Hawk team uh, behind you know behind powering the edit made it extremely easy. Um, you know the the Hawk technology is you know second to none. Um, and like I said, it was a real privilege and a real honor to come into future and be able to, um, you know, utilize that technology. So, yeah, no, everything, I mean, everything went really, really well. 
Brilliant. Well, it's not Brilliant. my first. It's not my first rodeo, though. Unfortunately. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> no, but you know, in terms of, it's not my first. It's not my first launch. So you know, I feel like, you know, I panic and I, I have to do lists that are you know sixty lines long. Um, when I do one of these, but then I'm like, I have done this before. I think it will be okay. And it, well, it obviously has proved to be so. So congratulations. Um, so on the on-site optima- optimization, can we talk a bit more about that? What, what are the, the pillars of that? What are the kind of things you're looking at once somebody lands on your page? Well, I mean, is it easy to navigate? Um, you know, is it is is this the the page appealing for? for what uh, the the person is looking for. Can they easily understand um, how to navigate, how to look at things, um, how to search? You know, there's there's lots of different things that, that I think publishers probably need to be aware of. And that's just talking from the sort of the edit side of things. Uh, any areas where publishers struggle with on, on, on site, opt- on page optimization? I think it really depends on the type of tools you're using in, like I said, we've been very privileged at Future to be able to use the Hawk technology. Um, but I think, you know, having sort of like contextual links on the page, um, CTA buttons, you know, these are all things that I guess, uh, depending on where publisher is on their e-commerce journey, are think, you know, important things to think about. And I imagine testing is a pretty crucial part of what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also getting customer feedback. You know, I want, uh, you know, with the businesses um, I do, um, I'm looped into all customer services. So I want to know everything. Um, so that, that's quite a bit. So, that you know, that's, it's good though, because then I understand everything about the business, you know. So what are you looking for there? Is that in terms of kind of the analytics or in terms of, yeah, you know. just in um, terms of like customer perception or how people view things or, you know, things that could potentially be optimized. You know, it's always important to get customer feedback. And and the whole process of testing, do you, is, do you have a, a tight framework for that? Um, is that something which is ongoing or do you do it yeah. periodically? Um, well, it's... Pe- it's probably ongoing, really, in in a lot of in in not necessarily what what I would do, but I'm sure other other people within the team there's ongoing testing. But what I do, it's more sporadic, um, you know, in terms of when the need is is comes about. Now, if you look at your whole, your e-commerce business as a whole, how how does it break down? Is it how do you segment your business? So we look at um, everything from the top of the funnel all the way to the bottom of the funnel is probably. So, you know, we've got inspirational content and buying guides and informative content all the way through to an immersive shopping experience um, on the edit. Um, Then we've got sort of like data acquisition that sort of looks at kind of like that user engagement. Um, And then we've got all the way down to the bottom of the funnel where we have, you know, voucher codes um, that we work with as well. Uh, and is everything via affiliate or do you, do you have different types of e-commerce sale? Uh, no, not everything's via affiliate, no. So how, how, what are the other, the, the other planks? Well, um, they are, um, like I said, in terms of like talking about kind of like revenues and stuff, we sort of look at stuff top line. Um, so there, there is different ways and different touch points in terms of how we make money, but it's through sales, it's through sponsorships and it's through partnerships. Now, early in, your, early in your career, Emily, I think you've alluded to it already. Um, you start, you had your own e-commerce business. I did. Um, 
how was that? What what were the key learnings from that? Apart from obviously needing to own your software. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I think I was just so young and a bit impressionable and probably too ambitious for my budget and for my uh, level of experience. Um, so I would say the biggest learning from that was probably, you know, trying to start smaller. You know, I wanted to start big as a one band operation and I should have started smaller and scaled and grew. And I think that's why now I'm very much the type of person that will test everything um, and not go too big too quickly. So what, what was, what was, I mean, obviously, I presume it doesn't, does it exist anymore or is it? No, I mean, so uh, it was a fashion aggregator actually, but again, like I said, the technology um, was the sort of the breaking point, unfortunately. But um, in terms of like, I should have started off smaller, you know, started uh, building an audience in a different way, I think, rather than trying to rely on Google. Um, So yeah, there was lots of learnings. Um, I think anything you do in life, if you put yourself out there and you know you you take a risk whether it it's kind of positive or negative you know depending on your attitude you can probably turn it into a positive experience anyway and had you been working in e-commerce before then or was this just an idea you had in you well no i mean i i did a maths degree um which i you know really liked at um at sort of education level and then went into um trading and and worked as an analyst at a bank for uh, a private bank for five years that's very interesting so that how did you go from banking to to e-commerce and publishing well I mean that's what I'm saying so I I was um I was an analyst at a bank for five years and then I went and set up my own business so I did that for three years and I basically I basically um spent those three years building up relationships with every single fashion brand in the industry and um and then that set set my career off really uh, so where did you go from then? So I went um, I went from running my own business to actually working for a fashion aggregator. Um, and then I worked for the Telegraph. And then I got headhunted to come to Marie Claire and I haven't left. <laughs> so so presumably the learnings you, you had while working as a one-woman band were probably pretty, pretty crucial in your subsequent career, I guess. Oh, yeah, 100%. And actually even the banking career, you know, that – that actually, um, although it's nothing to do with with um, with publishing, you know, it does teach you. Um, you know, you have very tight timescales to. Uh, you know, you have 15 minutes to trade, or at least you did at that time. I don't know what the timescales are now, but you had 15 minutes to trade. Uh, you know, millions of pounds worth of stock. You know, that's like the FSA guideline. So, you know, in a very fast paced environment, you have to be able to have amazing attention to detail and be able to make decisions very quickly. So I think that's kind of that set me up, I think, um, in publishing and and kind of gave me, I guess, a bit of an edge um, in terms of like a bit of a different skill set, which I don't actually necessarily think has been a bad thing. And, and presumably you had an, an interest in fashion, I'm guessing, you know, previously, and you combined that with your banking and analytical skills. And, and that was the start of your own company, I guess. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I always wanted to to, to kind of go off and do my own thing. And I think at the time, I just, um, you know, I wanted to, I think going into banking was, you know, it was a great experience. But I think long term, I wouldn't, I would never have stayed there. The, the five year mark was always the time when I was going to leave. So. And do you think all publishers should be getting into e-commerce? Um, presumably a, a lot are, but maybe some aren't. What, what would you say to those who are considering it? 
Oh, I would say, like, like I said, uh, you know, start small, start slow, start building up relationships, start adding links to your website, start creating buying guides. Um, you know, that's kind of, I guess, the foundation of where you would start. And I suppose the flip side, any don'ts, I presume, is, is go is try Don't and start go too, too, too big, too quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you think where do you think the publishing industry is in terms of e-commerce? Do you think you know? I know it's been a it's a growth area for many, and it's presumably an area where some people envisage they they should be getting into. Do, how do you think the industry as a whole is doing? The publishing industry, that is. Um, I mean, in terms of you know, future um, e-commerce is second to none. So that's really all I can kind of comment on, and and um, I can't really speak for other publishers. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of e-commerce, it's, you know, it's, it's a vital part of, um, of our business and, um, yeah, it's, it's a very successful part. So how, how do you see, um, e-commerce evolving for publishers over the next few years? I mean, I can talk about, probably, probably talk about Marie Claire, um, rather than, rather than other publishers, but I guess in terms of, you know, where I would like to go is probably just honing in on, on you know that user journey um and and sort of scaling up what we have i think those those two things of you know looking at scale and looking at the user journey um would be the most are the most important things for me and the user journey when somebody wants to to buy something what what is the typical journey you know so they're they're offline and they go online have you kind of traced the steps people take well, it's more the user journey on our site as well. You know, it's not necessarily where they are on other people's websites. It's more, you know, how easy is it from for a customer to to search for something and be able to have an onward journey to purchase that? And, and do we facilitate that in the best possible and most optimized way? Emily, finally, a question we ask all our guests on the podcast. Um, outside of work, how do you relax? Well, that is a very good question. I go to the gym. I go to the gym and I um, I have a spa at the gym, which I very much enjoy. And that is my that is my way to um, to relax. And if I'm not if I'm not at the gym, I'm then running around after my seven year old boy, um, taking him to Kung Fu or swimming or, you know, a play date or a play date or something like that. So that's pretty much that's pretty much my um, my life, the gym or my or my son. So that sounds very energetic, Emily Ferguson. Thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast. No problem. Lovely to lovely to speak to you, and thank you very much for inviting me. A final word from our valued podcast sponsor. Air Business is trusted by 4,000 publications and 3 million happy subscribers, with 10 million customer records on file. It processes £500 million each year in 22 currencies and delivers over 300 million items. Find out more at airbusiness.com. Many thanks to Emily for being our guest this time. Two key takeaways for me with the need to start small and grow, and the importance of adopting an agile approach to the business. You can find out more about Marie Claire, and perhaps buy some stuff, at their website, marieclaire.co.uk. For more information about us, and to listen to previous podcasts, please go to our website, inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening, 
we'll be back in a few weeks time for another podcast bye for now